As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. All right, the Cowboys are headed to Canton. For the twos and threes to get some action in the Hall of Fame game. We've got some Jerry and Jimmy drama that could possibly bubble up again. We'll keep our eyes on that. And CeeDee Lamb continues to go ham in Oxnard. And Hard Knocks is only a week away. We'll have all of that to talk about next week. But uh, we've got another Cowboys camp week to react to here with our main man on the ground, John Mishota. Taking a break from filming practice clips for Sports Center and giving the NFL social media channels content. He's here with us to discuss it all. So welcome in to another episode of About Them Cowboys. I'm Kent at the helm here reminding you to subscribe to The Athletic because you're going to want all of John's and Bob Sturm's Cowboys camp coverage. Go to theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys to uh, get that discount. People ask me all the time, hey Kent, can you send me a discount code for The Athletic? Uh, I always just send them there because that's the best deal you're going to get. Theathletic.com slash about them cowboys. Make sure you're signed up for the season. So, without further ado, let's welcome in our panel. From the ticket in the athletic, it's Saad Youssef from the Eagle. Our host, Kevin KT Turner. And as always, from the athletic, Father John Mishota. Take it away, Kevin. Well, thank you very much, Kent. And uh, John, let's. Let's go ahead and cross this bridge here. Don't downplay this Dak thing, man. Tell me what's really going on. I'll say this. He's been out at practice more than I thought he would be in terms of, you know, he, he does a lot of stuff working off to the side, but he's one of the first guys out there. He's one of the last guys to leave. You know, I think we saw last year just how much his team fell apart without him around in that. So I don't want people to think that he's just, you know, not doing anything because he's nursing this arm that just in so much pain. That's not that's not the situation at all. It's one of those things where because they started camp a week early and because he's really has no reason, it's not like he was going to play in the Hall of Fame game anyway. Let's try and ramp this thing back. And and, and the other part of it too is, you know, they haven't signed any other cor- quarterbacks. So you're looking at right now Garrett Gilbert going into the season as your your backup. So why not get him some reps with CeeDee Lamb, you know, and Michael Gallup and guys like that. So 
you know, Mike been talking to Mike McCarthy today, he said that they're taking a step back. Now, I know on social media after that was put out there, some people took that as Dak suffered a setback, but that's not that's not the case. They're just, hey, there's no reason to have him throw right now. Uh, we're kind of trying to protect him from himself because of just, I mean, I can just tell you just from the stuff he does on the resistance cords, the stuff he does just off to the side, like he's going, you know, full speed. This isn't like some, you know, half-assed kind of jog through thing. Like you can see that, the reason he probably has this issue with his arm is probably because over the last three or four months, he's been throwing more than ever and trying to get back to 100% from everything that happened with his ankle. And so he probably overdid it. And now they're in a position where it's like, well, let's not do this. Let's not take this any further. I mean, to me, the biggest thing is, is that Dak and McCarthy have both said in the last few days that, if this was a regular season situation, he's not coming out of a game. He's not missing games. He's probably not missing practices if this was the situation. It's, hey, we got a long way to go here in training camp. We started a week early. He wasn't going to play in the, in the preseason opener. Let's just take some more time off. Now, if we're a week or two from now and he still hasn't even thrown once in practice, I think there's reason to be concerned there a little bit because there is still timing and things like that that you want to get down. But, you know, bigger than Dak, I mean, this is what they've been doing with Malik Hooker since he signed. This is what they've been doing with Amari Cooper all camp. This is what they've been doing with Demarcus Lawrence all camp. You know, Michael Gallup had a little bit of an ankle. They, you know, this is what he did for for two days. You know, really, C.D. Lamb is the only, you know, star player on the team, and and, and obviously Trayvon Diggs has those abilities too, that have really been going every day, like you would expect from afar if you haven't seen any of these training camp practices. Randy Gregory too, sir. So, so are you in the boat though? I mean, you mentioned it, but is that is that like a thing that's been admitted by Dak or McCarthy that this is just a little more pressure on his arm while rehabbing his ankle? Like they've 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 diagnosed that. So Dak has kind of mentioned it, uh, talking about how like even when he was couldn't be on his feet, they wanted him off his feet when, during the rehab process. He was still throwing a ton from a chair sitting down. So he was still trying to keep his arm, you know, to the level that it is normally in the off season. And he probably ended up doing a little bit, a little bit too much, you know, and maybe didn't warm up the right way before some of these practices and things like that. So when he does come back, like, I don't think you're going to see him doing a lot of deep throws right away. I think it's gonna be a lot of underneath stuff, just get through the offense, things like that, and then ramp it back up. Because for him, I mean, He'll play probably in one preseason game, and then they'll have him ready for the season opener. I think that's the goal all along. But like I said, you still want him out there at least doing some stuff, even if it is just soft tosses, kind of, you know, get him back into the groove and, and get the timing down. But again, like Amari Cooper's not out there either, you know, so uh, it's not like it's the full, you know, first team offense, just Dak's missing. I mean, there's some guys that are nursing some things, and after what they went through last year, you can tell they're being extra cautious this year. At what point do we get worried about this? Like this, I'm all for playing it safe. And I think that's how McCarthy is going to run training camp. But at what point is this a concern? I mean, like, is there a scenario where Dak doesn't play at all this preseason? Of course, Yeah, of course there's a scenario for that. Um, Mike McCarthy kind of talked about this uh, today, and that's that, you know, you're not going to just throw Dak out there in a random preseason game because you're like, we need to get him some snaps, and he's out there with, the twos on the offensive line, uh, you know, some backup running backs like Rico Dowdell and, you know, 
Reggie Davis and some other wide receivers that aren't going to make the roster. You know, it's only going to make sense if, hey, the first team offensive line's out there. Maybe Amari Cooper's going, CeeDee Lamb. Let's give him a couple series like that. They're not just going to throw him out there just to throw him out there. Uh, for me, in terms of when you, you mentioned like uh, a time when you, you kind of get concerned about this, I think I think even if – I think he can even go the rest of the camp out here. There's still another week of camp once they get back from Canton and not throw. But when he gets back to the forward center and he's still not throwing, I, th- I think there's a little bit of reason for concern there. It, 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 that, does, that doesn't make sense. I mean, because then you'd be giving him – that'd be over two weeks. I don't think that he, he was ever going to need more than two weeks for if that injury that they said was what it was uh, with that you know mild strain. But if you're if you're getting back to the Ford Center and they're like, yeah, he's still not going to throw. Uh, that that I think there's a reason for concern there. Sod, where are you on kind of how the Cowboys are going to handle preseason? Like, you know, it's a little different. I mean, they have four games, which is normal, but you know, not this year. Has things have changed, and most most teams are going to have three. Uh, are you kind of in the boat of maybe switching the? the old quote-unquote dress rehearsal game to the last week of the season? Because that's kind of where I've kind of started to trend towards moving forward. Like, if you're really going to get your team ready, then let's do this the week before the season starts. Where are you at on how to handle the preseason, side? Well, I think it's interesting because we just came off of a season where you didn't even have a preseason. And so, you, you know, you kind of have this experience of not even – I mean, do you even – how much do you need it and what kind of work do you need – I know the the first few weeks there were rusty for a lot of teams and and a lot of players said, you know, coming out of week three and four last season that it felt like they were just getting out of it. But I do think that you have to watch how you manage it Um, because, look, players are going to get hurt playing football. That's just part of the game. But you want to make sure it's in meaningful action. And also the tricky thing about preseason, and to me this has always been the thing, people like a lot of times like uh, fans would ask like, well, it's, it's football. Like if they're going to get hurt in week three of the preseason and that happened week three of the season, it's still, it's still devastating. But the difference there is in the regular season, everyone's playing on one speed. But in the preseason, if you throw the starting quarterback out there and he's playing against and the other teams, you know, say uh, starting pass rusher uh, is being tended to and, and being, you know, brought along carefully – all of a sudden you have the third, fourth string pass rusher who's fighting for a roster spot going against your starting quarterback. So he's going balls out while, you're, while your quarterback is taking it easy. And so the, the tricky thing with preseason is everyone's playing on different speeds. And so I, I think you've got to take it as conservative as possible and just you know get, get your feet wet. Um, you know, if, I, if, if there's some guys that have like you know Blake Jarwin, uh, guys like that, maybe get them hit a couple of times. But other than that, like, I'm not really trying to, I I don't really, I don't know, personally, I don't really see the point of a complete dress rehearsal or anything like that, because it's not, it's not just about you. Like, it's not just about how you prepare for it. If you're going into week three with a dress rehearsal mindset, but the other team is resting all their guys, you're setting yourself up for some risky, uh, risky injuries. The word out here is that that last game will be the dress rehearsal type the one against jacksonville that'll still give you 10 days before the season opener uh which is obviously on that thursday in tampa so that is what the way they're attacking it right now and so i would think that would be the game where Dak maybe plays a series um but obviously that'll only be if the first team offensive line is going to be out there they're not going to throw him out there with a bunch of backups that's for sure they would rather just be like well we're not going to see him until that that first game against tampa Uh, but you know 
Dak hasn't had many, many injuries outside of last year, but the year before that, you know, he did have that sprained AC joint uh, in his throwing shoulder going into that Eagles game, and he didn't throw very much in practice there. And then obviously we remember how that Eagles game went not well. So you kind of want him throwing a little bit before that, before you all of a sudden open up against the Super Bowl champs. I do like that, you know, in the preseason, their last two games are at home. Obviously, the the second to last one with Houston and then the Jacksonville game and then having 10 days because, as we know, they start the season off on the road. And then week two, I believe, week two, they're in they're in uh, L.A. for the Chargers, right? right? So, so two games uh, off the bat on the road. So I do really like that they'll be at home for a while. Um, so who gets the uh, snaps on uh, Thursday night in the Hall of Fame game? Are we a Cooper Rush or Garrett Gilbert um, team <laughs> heading into this game? Well, I think Garrett Gilbert starts, um, but in the end, I think Ben DiNucci plays at least half, if not more, of that game for for multiple reasons. I mean, one, they didn't have preseason last year, so you never got Ben DiNucci any of those snaps. So you want to see what you have there more than anything else. I think they feel confident if they don't, there aren't any other quarterbacks that become available, any veterans out there when teams trim their rosters down, then they're going to go into the season with Garrett Gilbert as their backup. And, and I think Garrett Gilbert has looked okay out here. I don't think he's been bad. I mean, uh, he, he's made some nice throws to CD lamb. Like you mentioned some of the videos I've posted and things like that. Like CD lamb has clearly been by far and away the, you know, the most standout player here. It's not even close every day. He's making some type of big play and, you know, Garrett Gilbert's been running with the ones. And so he's been the guy it's, he's clearly the backup. There's not really a competition there. And then it comes down to, you know, Cooper rush, Ben DiNucci. But if DiNucci can show something in the preseason, then it puts the Cowboys in a spot where they got to possibly keep three quarterbacks. I know that McCarthy probably wants to do that because he looks at DiNucci as a young developmental guy, but I just look at this whole roster while I'm watching these practices, cutting the thing down. And I'm just like, you keeping this third quarterback that if he doesn't really show you much in the preseason over an extra DB over an extra defensive lineman over an extra wide receiver, like other guys that can like really make a difference on your roster, even if it is, you know, just special teams. I I just, I don't know when you start trimming down the roster, that gets kind of tough for me. So if, if you put Ben DiNucci out there, the majority of the preseason, like he's supposed to play, and he shows you something that gives you a reason to keep him. But, you know, yeah, I think Gilbert will be out there a little bit. But, again, I, I don't see any of the other starters really being there. I don't see C.D. Lamb playing. I don't see Zach Martin and Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins playing. So I don't know how much you're really getting out of that. You know, there'll be time for Gilbert to, to get some playing time even more in this preseason. But I think this game is going to be a lot of Ben DiNucci. How has the backup situation looked, John? Be Be completely honest. Just fine, just okay. I mean, yeah. Nowhere. I mean, you know what it is. It's it's. Uh, uh, I guess the comparison I would make, Kent, is it's. Um, it's the same. I thought as the backup quarterback situation, for the Cowboys the last ten years, except for last year with Dalton. Andy Dalton's clearly better than these guys. Uh, Kyle Orton was clearly better than these guys. And yeah. I think Dak showed glimpses, but there were still days this early in the camp, his rookie year where you were like, I don't know. I think showers, I think Jamil showers looked a little bit better than him. And, and, and during those times, you know, Kellen Moore was just okay. Like kind of, um, you knew he would be the backup, but I don't think he was blowing anybody away. I would take Kellen Moore over Garrett Gilbert and you know, where, where Kellen Moore was in 2016. 
but I don't think that there was, you know, most of the time Jason Garrett was the head coach. They didn't have a really standout backup like they did last year in Andy Dalton. And so if they could find another Andy Dalton, like I said, when roster is trimmed down, which I don't know how you'd find an Andy Dalton because why would a team let a guy like that go? The other part is, is that what they're paying Dak, they're not going to invest very much money in, in a backup. So, you know, that's the other thing. Like they're probably a team that might, might invest like two, $3 million in their backup. But like Andy Dalton signed for one year's ten, one year, $10 million. The Cowboys weren't even going to give him 5 million, you know? Yeah. So they were, that was never going to happen, but they, it, it looks fine. But fine for a backup. Yeah, it's see, fine that's, for a backup. That's, but that's why but, I ask. Because... But that goes down. It's not like it's not like Garrett Gilbert's going to lead them to you know an ab- above five hundred record or okay. something like that. Well, I think well, he can come in for a game or two and be okay, like he was in that Pittsburgh sure. game. But I, I don't think that they're at a point right now where I guess the best way to describe it is when they had Andy Dalton as their backup, when they had Kyle Orton, there was no talk of like, well, let's just still see what's out there front other teams' rosters. They were set there. They're yeah. still looking. There could there could be something that becomes available that all of a sudden you know their ears perk up where they weren't really going to do that after they got Dalton. But there's still that that possibility here. Yeah, that's encouraging for you to say that they're still looking because it felt like and and they said as much. Stephen and, and Jerry said as much when they signed Andy Dalton. It's like we're done playing the game yeah. of not having a guy behind Dak or behind our guy if he goes down. And sure but at enough, that they point, they needed him that season, and, and it worked out that they had somebody behind him, but. It's but at that they point, they Garrett were still Gilbert thinking they're looking for somebody. You know? But at that point, they were still thinking Dak was going to cave a little bit on the contract. That's and true. And then when they gave yeah. Dak what they gave him, they kind of made their bed there, where it's like we're probably not going to be investing significantly in the backup now. Well, this you know? this roster's too stacked, I think, for them not to invest in a, a quality backup. I don't think you can just say, "Oh, Dak's hurt, our season's over." I think this, you could still have success, especially in this division, with a quality backup quarterback. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. The scary part is, though, is that, you know, like last year we saw after Dak goes down and then Andy Dalton got the concussion against Washington, and then they were in scramble mode and grabbing guys off the street like Cooper Rush, and, had, you know, Ben DiNucci was mm-hmm. forced into starting a game, uh, and that was a disaster. You you obviously don't want to get in, in that situation ever again. I'm convinced Dalton would have been better if, if they had a full offseason last year, too. Oh, I think yeah, Andy Dalton would have been better if they know. would have had this the, the first team offensive line uh, Yeah, you know, I mean, if, there's if so Zach many Martin factors and, that led to him not yeah. being as successful as he could have been. But they had the pieces in place. Like that was the right mentality to have going into the season. Yeah, and if 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 just two out of those three would have been healthy the entire way, um, then they win they win the division because they would have at least at the very least they would have split with Washington if they have that offensive line healthy. That not having that offensive line out there against Washington's front, I mean it. it they weren't going to beat them. So uh, that was a huge issue there. Uh, but yeah, but again, he's, he's one year, $10 million. They're not going to, they're not paying that for a backup. Well, I always look to it. Like how much money have you spent on, on the offensive side of the ball? The Cowboys will have be the second most in terms of how much money they're paying on their offense. Right. And I just like, like John's kind of saying, even though they said they were <laughs> out of that game, once you give Dak the contract, you got to start going minimum wage at some places. I think their defense is going to be, you know, kind of middle of the pack. They're, they're fairly balanced uh, compared to the, the rest of the league in terms of how much money they're spending on defense. But their offense is the second highest paid offense in football. Therefore, it needs to be a top five offense. And the only way you can do that is if Dak's healthy. Even if you had Andy Dalton, you can't do that. I don't think they were ever completely out of that game of not spending on the backup. I think Dalton fell in their lap. 
Like they got lucky that that whole situation yeah. played out with that with COVID. He wanted to be close to home and all that. Like it, it fell in their lap. It wasn't like they aggressively sought this thing out all off season. We're like, no, we need to have a good backup. Then again, why would you? Up until before then, you know, Dak had never been hurt. He started every game of his career. There would have been no reason to do that. It kind of fell in their lap, and then they were kind of like, all right, yeah, let's go do this. This makes sense. Not going to cost us a bunch, whatever. I think if that same scenario presents itself, they do the exact same thing right now. But if that scenario doesn't present itself, then you're looking at Garrett Gilbert. Because keep in mind, like over the last few months, all these top quarterbacks that were on the free agent market that have been signed by a lot of teams, like they brought all those guys in and worked them out. And they weren't interested in any of them. So it's going to take, the only way I see it changing is if, like I said, there's just some kind of a surprise cut that happens. And they're like, oh, I didn't, we didn't think this guy was going to be available. You know, let's let's go sign him for like a really cheap deal because that guy's just going to get try and get back to free agency next year. Yeah, and also also like to Kent's point, like yeah, the the team isn't the team is too stacked to to the point where you know the season's not over if Dak misses some games. But if last season's hap- last season scenario happens again, like Andy Dalton last year could have got you to the playoffs, like. He was not going to, like, when you talk about what the Super Bowl last year was with Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes, like, Andy Dalton was not going to be in that mix to get the Cowboys to that point. So, I mean, you know, yeah, like, this team won't sink if Dak gets hurt for, you know, two, three, four, five games. But if Dak goes out for the season and the expectation of this team is to get to the conference championship, that's not happening with Garrett Gilbert. That That probably wouldn't have happened with Andy Dalton either. So, um, I, I do think that, you know, it, it's still, you know, your starting quarterback is, is when you when you have this guy who is a franchise guy, you have him for a reason. It would have been wild to see them have a home playoff game, though, against Tampa Bay the way Washington did with Taylor, Tyler Heineke or whatever. I mean, yeah, it would have been interesting. No. Yeah. And the only reason, I, and I agree with you for the most part, Saad, but I will say that it's not like you have to dig back to, like, 1962. Like, that Nick Foles argument is pretty damn good because – that team's yeah. a dumpster fire. That organization yeah. is a dumpster fire. Like, it's a lot of luck. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot of luck. But everything that we've learned about the Eagles since that team, not to mention that it's not like that roster is just loaded where you're like, man, there's a lot of, like, talented guys here. They're going to be remembered forever in Eagles history. And then he did that, and they got hot right at the same time. That's the only thing. That's the only argument that you can make against it, and it's just because it wasn't really that long ago. But it is a complete outlier, and it's clearly, clearly – the, the minority there that that's not something that you're going to really go into every season banking on. Uh, and, and lastly, before we get off the, the quarterback talk and we move on to something else, I, I was thinking, you know, Foles has been complaining or whatever. You should go look at Nick Foles's contract and obviously the bears drafted Justin Fields, Nick Foles and Andy Dalton for that matter too. I know he said a one year deal. Those guys have too much guaranteed money in their contracts to where the, the bears, I mean, they may have to eat eat it on one of those guys, but trading for those guys does not help you really. It it, it kind of hurts you now, unless it's an emergency situation or whatever, and they win you some games. It's all the way. And then the other thing I was going to say is, you go look at Mike McCarthy's history. It's not a vast history because he's had Aaron Rodgers for most of his career. The other connections that you can make are Brett Hundley, who is with the Colts now. He's suddenly valuable with the Carson Wentz in, uh, uh, injury. Um, now, and Brett Hundley was not good in Green Bay whatsoever. And the and other they brought, one was and they brought, the Cowboys brought him in, and they didn't like him this offseason. Yeah, and, and they brought in uh, and uh, McCarthy uh, had uh, Deshaun Kaiser, right? And Deshaun Kaiser kind of proved that he can't play either. So, hey, you put know, some respect on Matt Flynn's name. 
I was say Matt Flynn's not coming back. <laughs> but Matt Flynn was Matt Flynn was a guy who kept their head above water, and they they you know were able to get into to a position to make the playoffs with him in, in there. So that's kind of his his legacy. But you know the the name that I always come across that I would love is is Alex Smith. Um, and I not saying that he can play because he might hey. not be able to. Hey, Philip Rivers to just today. Philip Rivers just today said that you know he's not shutting the door on anything. Uh, you know, if a team team calls in the season, there you go. It's it. It is interesting that happens a day after the Carson Wentz foot news right. comes out. <laughs> Philip Rivers is like, you know what? Could get this thing going again as he bails on all these high school kids he's supposed to be coaching. Nick, hey, when you have when you have Tuesday. that many kids, man, you need a paycheck. You need an NFL paycheck. Nick Nick Foles no. makes too much sense for Indianapolis. I think that that's the most the Bears could get to in some type of a move. Uh, that just that just lines up too perfectly. You'd think that they would that they would be interested right now. Absolutely. Hey, let's talk cornerback for a minute because this is kind of an extension of the conversation. Where you talking about? Man, are you really going to keep one of these quarterbacks around when someone might have a difficult time? You know, when they might have a difficult time making cuts at at certain positions. Uh, I saw that you wrote in uh, one of your last pieces uh, for ne- for you the first five cornerbacks would be Trevon Diggs, Kelvin Joseph, Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis, and uh, Maurice Kennedy, and we know they like Nashawn Wright, and then that brings us Reggie Robinson, seventh cornerback in that mix. They're they're, they're going to have to cut some guys they like, and uh, Reggie Robinson, and Kyron Brown, who they brought in, that might be. Those guys might be on the roster bubble, uh, and it would be a shame to see someone like Reggie Robinson go because you still had to find out if Danucci could could get it going. Right. I will say they. I think they keep all six though as long as they're healthy, and I think Nashawn Wright is. You know, he makes a ton of sense. He was a third round pick. They're very unlikely going to cut a third round pick. Uh, he just he hasn't been as as impressive as the other guys that I had mentioned in the article so far in camp. And I mean, it's still really early, and there's only a few practices and a few opportunities where you really get to show yourself. There's a lot of, you know, for example, they're doing a lot of like deep ball stuff, red zone stuff where like the defense is supposed to be making a play, but you're also not fully tackling to the ground. You're not really going after the receiver all the way through on every rep. Like you would be in an actual game. They're, they're picking their spots when they're doing that. But there's a lot of times where the quarterback has no pass rush against them. He's just making a clean throw, you know, and, and, and like I said, when, when you're, when you are going, when you're playing defensive back and the ball's in the air and you're not going to be able to quite get there on time to knock it down, you're going to lay a lick on the guy. Well, you're not doing that in training camp practice. So, I mean, these, these preseason games will tell you a lot more than, than just what we've seen out here. But if we're going off of just what I've seen out here, Maurice Kennedy has been a beast. I mean, he's been, he's got three picks. He leads all the DBs and he just continues to make plays. And he's just, he's looked really good. I would say, you know, it's funny because Trayvon Diggs is on the receiving end of all these CD Lamb highlights because he's lined up against him. But Trayvon Diggs, I mean, just unquestioned number one corner. And he just shows all those traits. Yeah, he's going to get burned on a play, but then he's going to make a play a little bit later, you know? So he's clear cut their number one guy. But right after that, Kennedy's made just as many plays as anybody. You know, if you were going to line up, they were going to be like, hey, who should we start at corner? In the, in the season opener, just based off of what John Mishota has seen in training camp so far, I, my starters would be Trayvon Diggs, Anthony Brown, 
and Maurice Kennedy. But I, I think that they'll probably go into week one with Anthony Brown, Trayvon Diggs, and Jordan Lewis. Um, but, hey, Kelvin Joseph still has a chance. It just I haven't seen as many flashes with him. Certainly plays with a lot of confidence, and, and obviously they think very, very highly of him, take him in the second round. Um, I know people talking to people in the organization out here, they're very high on, on Kelvin Joseph and what they've seen so far uh, on the practice field. So he's obviously in the mix too. Um, but yeah, no, they're in a good, they're in a good spot there. I just kind of thought Nashawn Wright would flash a little bit more just because of some of the stuff we saw in rookie minicamp, minicamp, things like that. I just haven't noticed him as much, but you know, he's clearly part of the plan too. Yeah, and what about the safety position while you're at it? Because I know it is kind of a, a position group that that's very topical uh, amongst the fan base. We feel like we're kind of looking at a world of Donovan Wilson and Kazee as your starters at safety if the season were to start. Uh, if the season were to start Thursday night, yeah, absolutely. And I think that they've they've both played the best out of the, out of the safeties. Um, and, we, and 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 for the record, we know for sure now it is Casey because when he was growing Casey. up, he said that family members called him Crazy Casey. So that's how I'll always remember that because he was kind of just a wild kid. So anyway, so yes, so Demonte Casey and Donovan Wilson will be your starters, and then behind them is where it get, gets interesting. What because about the Matrix? <laughs> Keanu Neal. He's playing linebacker. We I have not seen him line up one time at safety at all. So he's completely in the linebacker mix. Um, behind those two starting safeties is where it gets interesting because we haven't seen Malik Hooker practice because he had the Achilles injury in October and they're trying to slowly bring him back. So they don't want to rush him because he hasn't done a ton in the offseason because he's been rehabbing. So they don't want to put him out there and rush him because... It's not just the Achilles with Malik Hooker. I mean, this is, you look up his injury history, it's something every year, and it's ne- it's almost never two of the same things. And this has gone back to even at Ohio State. I mean, he didn't get to do anything in the combine because he had multiple surgeries, uh, and so he wasn't able to work out there. So if he's able to play, he's obviously in the mix because he just his upside is, is probably as high as anybody they have at safety. Um, but until we actually see him on the field, you know, behind him, you got to go with J. Ron Curse, and then you got to throw in Darian Thompson because, as much as fans hate on Darian Thompson, the Cowboys like what he brings on special teams. And are you playing uh, Demonte KZ on special teams? Are you playing Malik Hooker on special teams? Probably not. You'll play Curse. You'll play Donovan Wilson. The other thing about that, that about Curse that's interesting is like so when Dan Quinn was talking about safeties the other day. Talked about how hard it is to find a guy that can kind of do everything at safety. And when I say everything, I mean, you know, come up, play the run, uh, be able to defend uh, the fast receivers, to, to be able to defend, you know, the quicker inside receivers, be able to defend tight ends. Just hard to find that. So, what you try and do at safety is get an array of guys that can kind of do a little bit at each of those things, kind of have a strength. Because if you go against a team that runs a little bit more too tight end, I think then that's when you see a little bit more J. Ron Curse because he just is better fit there. So, Right now, I think those five are the ones you keep your eye on. Um, but then there's Israel Mukwamu. I mean, he he looks the part because of his size of what they want, and obviously they, you know, they want a bigger bigger safety back there. I mean, so he's got a chance to show something in the preseason. But as of right now, I think he's on the outside looking in. So the Malik Hooker edition really kind of, you know, leaves you kind of guessing there because if yep. he's healthy, 
he's on your 53 because the upside he has is obviously, like I just said, didn't do anything at the combine, wasn't able to work out at all, was the 15th overall pick in the draft. I mean, he has those type of traits that he's got, he's got game-changing type ability on the back end, something that's been missing for a long time from the Cowboys secondary. If he's healthy, he's on the 53. Well, and also, I mean, he could have – I thought he might have been drafted higher if he would have worked out at the Combine uh, back then. Now, I don't mean to – this is not personal at all. Let me just get that out of the way. And it's early because, my God, you could go give up 300 yards on the ground in week one or week two, and then everyone's panicking again. But, you know, earlier in the year there were so many whispers of just, you know, maybe not full buy-in on defense – we're not going to have that problem this year with Dan Quinn running that defense, are we? No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. It'll be, the effort will certainly be there and everybody should be more on the same page. Even if Dan Quinn wasn't a good coach or wasn't a good teacher, they'll be on the same page just from the fact that they're actually getting training camp. They're going to have a full preseason. These things, obviously not having those did no favors to Mike Nolan. You know, that was, not a good thing. Um, something that fans probably won't like from the way things started with Mike Nolan is that Dan Quinn made it pretty clear the other day that he will be calling the defense from up in the coaching booth. So he will not be on the sidelines. little disappointing because he's a fiery guy, hands-on teacher, so you'd think he'd be there. This goes back to a Pete Carroll thing he said that, you know, with Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll thought it would be better to have D.C. Just because you're up in the up top, you can kind of see everything develop, and it's a little bit more calm up there as opposed to on the sidelines. So unless it's a complete dumpster fire of a start to the season, I don't see him coming down from the booth and moving to the sidelines like we saw Mike Nolan do early last season. I think that he'll stay up there and call the defense from up there. But yeah, everything I've seen out on the field so far makes me think we're going to go back to the Rod Marinelli days, the Chris Richard days, where even even if they aren't one of the top defenses, at the very least, you won't be questioning effort every Sunday. I, that, and that's going to be huge just because, you know, the I, I guess just the morale of the entire team just changes when you're talking about effort among professionals. Like that's that's a that that's tough when you go into the locker room and you hear that from, you know, reporters and stuff. And it's and it's always been legit. Like, you know, it's not like it, it's not like people were telling Jane Slater or other people ju- this stuff just for no reason. And so, you know, when you talk about scheme or things not happening, that's different than just when you go in there and you keep hearing that your team isn't trying hard and you're getting paid millions of dollars as a professional athlete for that. It is an interesting way that it all works out because you don't buy into whatever your defensive coordinator is selling. And so you get on the field and, and, and more so than, than most, I mean, you have 11 guys out there on defense. They're all trying to, you all got a job to do. And so if some guys aren't buying in, then what do you do? You try and overcompensate and then do something that you're not supposed to do to try and make up for it. And then you have other guys that probably aren't trying as hard because they don't even believe in the scheme that's being asked of them. And they don't think that their coaching staff knows what they're doing. So they're not going to try as hard. So just, you can see how something like that can snowball pretty quickly. And I mean, the proof was just there. Even if you don't talk to anybody behind the scenes, the proof was there on the, on the field last year that there was a lack of buying. And that's why in one season, you completely change direction of the ship and bring in a new defensive coordinator because it was just so bad. So no, I don't think that, like I said, I don't think that this Cowboys defense is about to be 
a top five defense in the league. I don't think they're going to be top 10, but they should be respectable. They should be a, a, a quality defense that you're not constantly being like, well, as soon as these guys get back out in the field, we know that we know the other team's getting seven. It's just a matter of how many plays is it going to take to get it where I really had that feeling last year when I would watch them. So no, it, it should certainly be better. And then obviously the offense, there's just no reason to, this offense is loaded enough that they can lose a receiver that they could lose, you know, a tight end and maybe even one of their running backs and still should be one of the best offenses in the league. Who's who's wide receiver for? Is it, is it Cedric Wilson or do we have some competition there? For just going by what again, only, I mean, it's only it's early. so many practices. Uh, I don't want to over. Yeah. I, I will say this: I haven't seen as much from Cedric Wilson as I've seen in years past in terms of just like making some plays and things like that. I feel like he's shown more working in the games. To be honest with you, I think Cedric Wilson is a gamer. Uh, so for me personally, I'm going to say Cedric Wilson. If I go off of just what I've seen out here, after CD Lamb, there's been days where Noah Brown I thought was their next best receiver. There's been days where I thought Reggie Davis was their second best receiver. And there's been days where Malik Turner has been their second best receiver. And but I just don't see those guys making it. I just think it's pretty cut and dry yeah. with the five. And and that's the three that obviously Gallup, you know, C D Lamb and Amari Cooper. But then after them, it, it's Cedric and then Noah Brown. And then I think they'll keep six. And I think you keep Semi Fihoku. Yeah, and the draft I don't, pick. I was yeah, ask because about it, because of the draft pick, but I, I haven't seen him out here like making any, like he hasn't made more plays than Malik Turner. He hasn't made more yeah. plays than Reggie Davis. He hasn't made more plays than Noah Brown. I mean, he hasn't made more plays than Cedric Wilson. Another guy that like, again, I, I'm not sitting here saying he's had a bad camp or anything, but I haven't seen a lot of stuff that just, you know, has caught my eye from Tony Pollard. Like we know what Tony Pollard can do, um, but there hasn't been like, and the reason why I say this is because knowing that Michael Gallup you know, was going to fly over a fence and hurt his ankle and miss a couple practices. And then you're not going to have Amari Cooper at all. I thought that we'd see a little bit more with Tony Pollard playing some wide receiver. We haven't really seen that. Maybe they're not doing that because Mike McCarthy is super cautious about what he shows in practice. Like in terms of trick plays, when we've been out there, I've, I think out of all these practices combined, I think I've seen them try maybe two or three. No, they didn't work particularly well, so maybe maybe they need to work on those more. But you can tell with fans being there and things like that, they're not really showing that. Now, they do do a after in the afternoon where, where no one's allowed to watch walkthrough thing. They might be working on more stuff there. Um, but, yeah, because Zeke has looked really good. Zeke's looked good as a pass catcher. I was going to ask, looked what, good in the, what have you in, seen from Zeke in the passing game? I saw the clip uh, that they put out on Hard Knocks, the trailer yeah. today of, of him catching the long bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Zeke's never going to be Elvin Kamara. We know that, you know. But he can he can make he can make some guys miss and he can make some plays in the passing game. He, he's just never going to be a guy that you're like, oh, we might go into this game throwing him 15 times a game. Like, no, nah, it's not going to be anything like that. And you probably shouldn't be with not only those receivers, but the fact of like, I mean, I don't think there's a big difference between Jarwin and Dalton Schultz. I know we're jumping all over the map here, but like Dalton no, Schultz is, Dalton Schultz has looked very good in camp. You know, Blake Jarwin's looked solid, but. I haven't noticed as much of him is because they're giving him certain off days and things like that because of him coming back from the ACL. So Schultz is like if if you showed up to camp and you'd never watched the Cowboys before and and all you've gotten to go off of is just what we've seen in camp. Dalton Schultz is your number one tight end, but you know they put out a unofficial depth chart. Jarwin's with the ones. I expect Jarwin to be the starting tight end week one, but 
Schultz has looked very good too. So there shouldn't be many reasons for you to have to throw to Zeke. Plus, Tony Pollard's a better pass catcher than Zeke. So I think that's where Tony Pollard fits in a little bit more in the offense. I but, think you have so many weapons that you might catch a defense slipping on Zeke every now absolutely. and then, and, and, and it might be a nice option sometimes. Absolutely, and I think that's where Zeke makes sense yeah. in the passing game. When I say not Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, you can go in game planning like coach goes up yeah. to him, hey, you're getting 15 balls this week, and I don't care how they defend you. We're throwing it to you 15 times. Whereas, like, with Zeke, you really don't have to do that. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't even. I think that the Cowboys did their best when the majority of Zeke's touches are him running the ball because that means he's running the ball well, and that's the best case scenario for what they have with the other weapons on this offense. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to go around the horn here, and I want to start with Saad. John, in your piece, you wrote a little bit about Leighton Vanderesh and how healthy he's been. Talked about him cutting out soda, eliminating alcohol, trying to stay away from, from, from sugars, but he wrote that the toughest junk food to cut out was raising Cain's chicken fingers. Saad, what's the toughest junk food to cut out? Oh, man. Um... It's de- it's definitely like actual food. I know some people think it's like like at least for me, like some people think it's like dessert and stuff. For me, it's the actual like like you know chicken fingers stuff like that. I would I'd probably say pizza. Like man, I, I can't really cut out pizza, so that that's a that's a tough one. Yeah, and I, I would agree with Sad. I mean, and and it, I can even I can even eat bad pizza, and I would probably still take that over anything else. But if we're talking about a, a, in a a certain establishment as yes. in because he said raisin canes, then it's Whataburger for me. Um, I'm writing tomorrow about uh, today was the first day we got a chance to talk to Amari Cooper and Demarcus Lawrence in a while because they've obviously been injured. And so kind of got an update on where they're at. And in that Amari did mention that he's, he's lost about 15 pounds. He wanted to get a little bit quicker and he was, he was playing. He said last year at like almost 225. he's down to about 210. And uh, he said one of the things he did was he cut out eating Wingstop and not just eating Wingstop, but it was eating Wingstop like at 11 o'clock at night, you know, yeah. uh, midnight, stuff like that. So he might still be eating Wingstop, but he just he's not eating after 8 p.m. So that in itself is difficult sometimes like out here right now. Hold on. 
we're recording this. It's 7.54 right now. We we'll probably won't be done for a little bit. It'll be after 8. I'm certainly eating after 8. Like, I just, I mean, yeah. it's just, t- it's tough not to do that. But, uh, but yeah, but what a burger for me. Kent? Yeah, for me, big Popeye's chicken. Popeye's oh, chicken yeah. is, is the toughest for me. It's it's hard not weekly to go to Popeye's and grab a, a sandwich or, you know, some red beans and rice and some chicken. They got great sides, good biscuit. Get a little drink, a little Coca-Cola action. Nice lunch. So that'd be that'd be tough to give that up. And I love tacos too. Oh so, my god! You know, any living in Fort Worth, there's taco joints everywhere. So that's almost an everyday occurrence for me. So um, I probably eat tacos more, but it'd be harder for me to give up Popeyes forever. Like if you told me I could never have Popeyes again, I'd I'd be very upset. So sad. You have to give up every single pizza place except for one. Ooh. For the rest of your Ooh, life. Oh, I like this. So you can only eat one. You can eat pizza, but for the rest of your life, it can only come from one place. Oh, man. Uh, there. I, I don't know if you guys have had Zeal Al's um, here in Frisco. It's really good. But oh. I think I'll go with Connie Rosso. Oh, yeah. That's quality. Yeah, yeah, it's always good. Thunderbird Pies is one of my favorites in town. Oh, yeah. I, I've uh, just uh, – and that's from the Connie Rosso family – now they make that Detroit style pizza, John. You know what that's all about. Delicious. Now, I, I've been on a diet since June. I seen so you slamming that water back there. I yeah, was like, is he going to finish this thing? I haven't had a beer or or really any. Like I haven't been eating carbs, obviously. Um, but I'm going to Chicago this weekend, and one of my first things I'm doing is going to Lou Malnati's and getting a real big thick piece of pizza nice and some freaking beer and i'm just gonna like probably gain 10 pounds this weekend but it's just it's great, gotta happen great food city chicago oh my god it's a great food city it's a great food time for me because i haven't eaten anything decent in a lot i mean it's been salads and just so many vegetables and it's just so tiring john before um, you leave town did you did you were you able to hit up the sizzler was there a sizzler situation happening there what did dave i didn't i need to get with david hellman and find that out it's a tradition hope, that doesn't need to be broken i can't see you right awesome. now but i but i hope you're sitting down I'm, I'm pretty sure it's closed oh i don't think it made it through devastating the yeah i was in san francisco a few weeks ago and i looked up and there was not one in the vicinity of there so yeah i think it's dark days that's sad they had a great great cheese toast situation at sizzler if you never got to experience that i feel bad for you you hate to see it. Me and Broadus and Hellman every year just destroying cheese toast was a tradition that I will always miss and cherish. Thoughts and prayers to all the people at the Sizzler. I hope they've gotten back on their feet out there in Oxnard. Thoughts and prayers um, for Broadus because I know he is probably more upset than anybody on that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the hell's going on? <laughs> I want to do the last uh, 10, 15 minutes on this. And if there's anything else you guys want to throw out there, feel free. But Bob wrote a good piece on The Athletic today, and it was about five Cowboys players who are in prove-it years. Um, I thought we could kind of kind of uh, uh, go into that. Um, one of the first guys that he has is obviously Zeke. We just talked about Zeke. I think we all know Zeke's situation. I don't feel like we need to really elaborate from that. Zeke's turning what, 26. What's the situation with Zeke if he sucks this year? Like, what happens? If Zeke, Zeke runs, rushes for 500 yards and four touchdowns, what, what, what are we talking about in December? Well, that There's means he an out for hurt. 2022. No, yeah, he doesn't that, get hurt. He just sucks. What, what, what uh, happens then? Well, 
I mean, there's a lot of things you could do, but you could, you could, I mean, if you wanted to, you know, have the post June, June 1st cut after the year, you're still going to have to eat like $22 million of dead money over three years. And I don't know if I want to do that. Um, and my numbers could be a little bit off there, but that's, that's pretty close. So, I mean, if you wanted to cut him, it doesn't make sense to cut Zeke until after 2022. That's, that's the thing. Um, so you probably run him back and say, Oh, he's going to have a bounce back year and we'll be doing the same stories we're doing now. <laughs> Chip on his shoulder. Great yeah. shape. And we'll probably do that bit again, but, but there, but th- there are ways to get out of it. Just, it has to be after 2022. Otherwise you're eating way too much money. I agree. I think it would have to just be epically terrible of a season. I don't necessarily see that happening though. He seems to be really locked in, uh, <laughs> Even though I say that, and I don't know if you guys have seen well, that first hard knock clip that they've already teased. Of him. Oh, <laughs> you can't find his room. But 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 once he gets on the field, he seems very locked in. Classic Zeke, okay. dude. But I, also I with Zeke. <laughs> also with Zeke though, like I've said this before, I, I just think you have to you have to know wh- how you're grading Zeke. Like you have, if you're grading Zeke based on you know um, j- just performance, a certain certain barometer that you have for him on the field, like he he can live up to that. If you're gonna if you're going to grade him to his contract, he's always going to come up short. So, you know, you have to the, – the scale has to be appropriate as well. Yeah, and and it's all – look, with Zeke, we know that he's going to get about 20 carries a game. You kind of have a figure in mind. I, I bet Zeke's numbers are – well, here's the thing. If the Cowboys are getting ahead in games and they're putting the game away with him in the second half a lot – yeah, Zeke's numbers are going to be good. He might, you know, get close to uh, 1,500 yards than, than around 1,000 yards. But I do think, and this is not just a, this is not a Zeke thing. This is about running backs in general. We're talking about year six of a running back, and it's just not ideal. It's not ideal for a guy's contract to start in year six. Uh, it's not fair to first-round running backs who, who might get that fifth-year option, and it's like, okay, well, teams don't want your second contract. This team did. There's a, there's other case studies around the league. We'll find out. I mean, what if Christian McCaffrey gets hurt again? Think Carolina is really excited about, you know, what they're paying him. Uh, Aaron Jones in Green Bay is a, a case study. We've seen what the Saints do with Kamara. Like, there's tons of like, like case studies here. So it's like to me, it's just not ideal to, to have him. I think <laughs> not, it's. I think the, we're gonna go a long time before you see the, the Dallas Cowboys organization pay a running back significant money ever again. I think oh, it's going to, I think that, you know, even after Jerry, Stephen Jones, like what they've seen from the position. And, and this isn't just a Zeke thing. It's just the rest of the league, the way it's changed, the way that they like to do business, Jason Garrett and the way he wanted to build the hit, you know, his offense, his team, you know, was predicated on having this bell cow back that he would always talk about. And I just don't get the sense that there's going to be many head coaches that they're hiring in the future with the way the game is changing. They're going to want to do the same thing. So I guess there's still a chance that maybe you get in the future, a running back that you pay a decent amount. But if you do, I don't think it's that bell cow 20 carry guy. I think it leans a little bit more to the pass catcher. You know, like I said, McCaffrey Kamara type but even with that I, I just think that they're going to be a little hesitant and then especially as long as Dak Prescott is the quarterback how much money they're going to have tied up in him I just don't see them spending significantly on a running back if things don't work out with Zeke in the near future 
Given the athlete that he is, though, my guess is that Zeke has three more years in a Cowboys uniform that are really good, and then they kind of figure out what to do after 2023. I actually do think he's And it's tough to say three years, man. When you look at these running backs, you know, I mean, you look at Gurley and and some of these guys, just how quick it dropped off. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, you look at, you know, Saquon Barkley, like, you'd think that, you know, with the injuries that he's already had, like, you don't know. Christian McCaffrey, like... It's hard to project the position for anybody three years out. I, I really think you got to go year by year. It, Delvin, it's kind of an Delvin ask, Cook, uh, Cam Akers just getting hurt. Ask me in week six, and it's like I'll kind of feel like I know how this is, plays out for Zeke. I think I'll have a good feeling in week six or seven or whatever. Um, next on Bob's list is Michael Gallup. Um, I mean, it's a prove-it year for Michael Gallup in terms of going out and getting that bread. Um, I do feel like it's his last year as a Cowboy. I don't think he's a guy that they would consider franchising because franchising wide receiver is pretty expensive. Um, and that's okay. If there's any position, uh, well, it's a it's kind of the same discussion. It's not on the level of running back yet, but wide receiver has just become so easy is not the word. No, it's e- no, 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 no. It's easy. And I'm going to take a step further. If you tell me that you have C.D. Lamb, and Amari Cooper, and you just have to find that third wide receiver with the way college football is played nowadays. Yeah. You will not find an easier position to find. Like if you said, you have to be a GM of an NFL team, what will be the easiest position to find? And you tell me I have Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb, I would say it's my number three wide receiver, and it's not even close. You can go and, find and, that guy, like forget third round. You can find him even later in the draft or potentially like an undrafted guy or a street free agent who was like a good player three, four years ago who's just like, you know, like a Randall Cobb. Like, you don't need to make a significant investment there. I yeah. I just don't see a way that if Gallup's on the team next year, then that means Amari Cooper's not. Or vice right, versa. But, but, like, I just but, don't see that I, they have both. Yeah, but I was going to say, like, I mean, I know Bob Bob mentioned that in his in his article as well. Like, I, I wouldn't be too quick to rule that out given the age factor and and – Amari's durability hasn't always been there as well. So, I mean, if Gallup just really lights it up this year and CD's ready, like, I, I don't think Gallup would even necessarily have to, you know, elevate to the number one role. I think if CD elevates to a to a higher level and Gallup can stay number two, I think the cap hit for Amari for getting out of Amari's contract is like six million dollars. Like, I don't I don't think it's out of the question. Yeah, I, I will six, say this. I, probably if we would have done this 24 hours ago, I think I, I would have leaned more to your side on this. But talking to him today, that's the most motivated I've I've ever heard Amari Cooper. Like just talking about, like, and I'm writing about this for tomorrow, like just talking about how like this time away has actually made him hungrier. And it was one of those sad, I know you've been around his locker when he sometimes when like people would break away and there'd only be a few of us left over. Amari can get real deep on topics. And he was like that today, and he was talking about how like he's seen it with a lot of other players when they suffer like a significant injury or have to have a surgery, and how like it almost forces them to like get closer to retirement because they're like, I don't really want to have to go through all this again. He's like, it's been the opposite for him. Then, like I said, him talking about like losing the weight and just talking about like his numbers and how you know what he wants to do this year. Like he just, it sounded like the I have never heard Amari Cooper as motivated as he sounded today at any other time with the Cowboys. And I feel very confident saying that that probably is any time in his NFL career because one of the reasons the Raiders parted ways is because there were questions about, you know, how 
I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to word this, but it was like he he wasn't like that number one guy that was just like constantly showing that passion and emotion on his sleeve all the time. And and there and there were people there that questioned how much he loved football and things like that. Like hearing him talk today, I was like, oh, this guy's this guy's ready to go. And then I pieced that together with just how quietly with that just you know revolving door of quarterbacks last year, he still put up a really good year. So yeah, the money he's making is significant. And if he has any drop off. Yeah, I can see them, you know, looking to go in another direction there. But if he is, you know, twelve hundred yards and six, seven, eight touchdowns, I don't. I think that they're going to stick with him. It really depends on does Amari Cooper stay healthy and does Michael Gallup turn into Chris Godwin? If he turns into Chris yeah, Godwin, yeah. then For then, sure. then it's obvious you know For what sure. to do. Uh, yeah. But uh, as Saad pointed out, it is easy to get out of the Amari Cooper contract. It would be six million dollars over three years if you wanted to cut Amari Cooper. After the season, I just think the way I mean, and and Dak and Gallup have a good connection. Like it's Dak and Lamb have a good connection. Dak and Amari Cooper, their connection to me is a, a little, it's a little more established and a little more defined and a little more crucial to how the offense operates. So I'm not in the boat of paying Michael Gallup, who I love. Until Michael Gallup has a 90-catch season and turns into whatever you think he is, Chris Godwin or whatever. I, I, I don't see, I, I don't see a, Michael Gallup having a better season than Amari Cooper is what I'm saying. My, my other thing on that is I don't know if there is going to be enough balls to go around to everybody for Michael Gallup yeah. to have the huge year you're talking about, like the Godwin type year. You know, like I think you would need and Amari not to play. I think you would need one of your tight ends to get hurt. I think you would need Zeke to go down, you know, like where it was like he was clearly the number two option. I don't think Gallup's going to be the number one, number two option throughout the duration of the season. There will be games when Michael Gallup, I do believe, has like 150 yards and two touchdowns. But then I think there's going to be weeks where just like he kind of gets lost in the shuffle because of they were trying to get the ball to Pollard. They were trying to get the ball because CD's, le- CD's eaten every week. That, I mean, that just, that's, CD is going to, I think he emerges as being their number one wide receiver by the end of the season. If he doesn't do it earlier than that, like he is on freak show level, like he's going to be real special. So with that being said, then that Amari Cooper is a better receiver. If he's healthy, he's a better receiver. Michael Gallup. I don't even think it's a question. So he's probably eaten second most. So then everybody else falls in behind that. Also on Bob's list of prove it players, Randy Gregory. Well, we've talked a lot about Randy uh, over the years, I, I, let's throw out a. Uh, if you had to predict an over under on sacks for Randy Gregory, and I will say over under, uh, let's say six and a half. Over. Am I being smart, Las Vegas gambler? Don't care about like anything that happens, and I'm just going off of being smart in the odds. I would take under because you just look at what he's done on the field, the, the possibility that there's an injury possibility that, you know, uh, the defense sucks. Uh, so I would take it if I was, you know, if you said I had to put every penny that I have in the bank on it, I probably would take the under, but going off of what I've seen out here, talking to him the other day, how motivated he is talking to other players on the team about what they've seen from him. Yeah. I would, I would probably take the over, but then again, I've been out here, so maybe I'm, I'm a little biased about it, but if I was just being smart, calculated gambler, I probably would take the under. I, I mean, there's not. 
there's no basis behind the numbers I'm about to throw out. But if you get the Demarcus Lawrence that you've had most of his career, and then you get the Randy Gregory who's been on the field in the NFL and how he's played when he's been on the field, I mean, to me, that's a difference in your defense going from 20th to 15th. Also, yeah, also you don't have Alden Smith. Yeah, and he doesn't have Alden Smith in front of him, and he has an extra game. So, yeah, that's why I'm going to take the over. If you tell me here, like I said earlier, this isn't going to be a top 10 defense. Okay, here. This is how the Cowboys defense could be top 10 in the league. Randy plays the whole season. Lawrence plays the whole season. Okay, those are two huge ifs as it is right now. I mean, Lawrence is coming off this back yeah. surgery. Back surgery. Anytime you have back, back surgery, it's, it's not generally great. Backs generally don't get better as you get older. Um, but if they were both to play, and and they played on a, I won't even say double digit sacks. I'll say six to eight sacks each. Micah Parsons plays like we've seen in training camp, and Leighton Vander Esch stays healthy. You mix in with Trayvon Diggs, and then I think Demonte KZ is going to be the best playmaking. Uh, safety that they've had in a long time. That's how you get to a top ten yeah. defense. That's a lot of ifs, though. But there, but there, yeah. but there are bodies there that if you say that they are very fortunate in the injury department and guys stay healthy and stuff like that, sure they got a chance that way. But realistically speaking, you know that a guy is going to get banged up a little bit and this guy's going to miss some time. I mean, heck, as good as Trayvon Diggs was last year, he still missed some time. You know, so that's where I think that it's it's a safer bet to say that they fall somewhere in the middle of the pack. But, yeah, if it's a perfect storm, everybody's healthy, yeah, I could, they could be a top-ten defense. The, the key is to have fewer ifs than last year. There, uh, so There is something nope. about Micah Parsons, though, I will say, where he does just seem to be one of those guys that's around the ball. Like, even today, and like kind of well, like a walkthrough, set, going about 75% because they weren't in full pads, they were just in shells. It was kind of like a get-ready-for-the-Steelers uh, game. There was like a, just a tip pass, and he's just like he's there, like he and he picks it off. Like there's just like times where he just is kind of in the right spot at the right time, uh, and he's been that way in, in run defense too. Things that like maybe didn't jump out to you, KT, when you watched him on tape from Penn State because you might not have seen a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and then you mix in the the fact of like just how Dan Quinn has been moving him around to rush the passer and stuff like that. He has shown traits again like games will tell us way more these preseason games will tell us way more than these practices but he has shown the traits to where i can see like oh yeah if he does this and this and this yeah you're looking at the possible you know defensive rookie of the year and then if he has that type of a season it's hard it's hard to think that he has that season and then the defense is a dumpster fire again just because he's going to be in the middle of all of it well that was so last on bob's list was the tight ends we kind of talked about them earlier but so the last one that we'll do here is the fourth and he had jalen and Leighton Vanderush, and they're two guys who have don't they don't have a good year. Quite frankly, they're they're probably not here next year. Um, right. And then Michael Parsons will be on the field at all times. What have you seen from Jalen? Jalen has looked like J- Jalen always looks to me. Where like sometimes he'll show you a play where you're just kind of like, okay, yeah, that 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 looks a little bit like that Notre Dame like high first round pick Jalen Smith. And then there's other times where you're kind of like he's kind of behind on a play particularly in pass coverage, guys are running by him, things like that, where you see that and you're just kind of like, I think oh. Jalen can, can he has value in different ways. Uh, you know, much like with Micah Parsons, there's times where Dan Quinn has been rushing him a little bit more than, than we've pro- possibly seen. Again, I'll believe it more though when I actually see it in games. So I think that, th- I think that, I think that there'll be a package for him. I don't know that you want Jalen playing every snap on defense. You know what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. kind of where I, where I, I lean there. It, if you limit him, 
I think he stays healthier. And I think if you limit the number of snaps, you get more of those Notre Dame Jalen Smith plays. When he has to play a full game, I think that's when the play starts to drop off a little bit. So if you have Micah Parsons healthy and you have Leighton Vander Esch healthy and you have Keanu Neal also mixing in there, then you don't have to have Jalen out there playing every single snap on defense. And then that's when I think Jalen's at his best. Since we're talking about linebacker, I've gotten asked this a lot. Um, Jabril Cox has not stood out to me. Now, again, they don't, they're not going full game speed yet. And once he gets in the preseason, Jabril Cox is going to play a lot in these preseason games. We're going to learn a lot more there. The one thing I will say, though, is that from what we see in these practices, it lends yourself more to the passing defense because there isn't tackling on the ground. And that's what Jabril Cox's strength is. So I thought maybe we'd see a little bit more, maybe him picking off a pass, things like that. Seems like he's just trying to find his way. But I've been asked a lot about him. And like I mentioned him in one of the, as one of my five guys that hasn't really stood out that I thought maybe like a Nishan Wright, mm-hmm. uh, like a Reggie Robinson. I thought maybe we'd see a little bit more from them. That's not to say that, like, I still firmly believe, like I said, with Wright, I think Jabril Cox makes the roster, and I think he's a part of their future. It just, like I said, I've been asked about him, and I just haven't noticed him a lot, like, making a bunch of plays, and he hasn't mixed. I mean, the linebackers that you're seeing out there all the time are your, you know, Keanu Neal, Micah Parsons, Jalen, and Mike, I mean, uh, and uh, Layton. And if all four of those are healthy, there is really no reason for Jabril Cox to be on the field other than playing special teams. Um, all right, is there anything else that we need to get to before we get on out of here? We'll let John get some Hall food of Fame, after. Hall of Fame game MVP predictions. Oh, the nooch, bro. It's going to be the nooch. I'm going to go two, with... Two rushing touchdowns for the nooch. I'm going to go with... Uh, who's uh, Tony Pollard. Is he going to be playing any? Is he going to be starting at running back? He'll, play, he'll, he'll probably play a little bit, yeah. I, I think uh, I'm going to go with Garrett Gilbert. I, I think he's going to he's going to have the opportunity. He's going to be with the first team for most of it, and, and so I, th- I think he's going to have good opportunity to look good. And you, yeah, you know, just to wrap it, wrap kind of where we started the pod, KT, of what we want to see in the preseason. I want to see this defense play in the preseason. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to need to see Dak and Zeke and Amari out there, but I think this defense needs to get out there and get some live action. So we feel a little bit better about, uh, and they feel a little bit better about what they're going to be going into against uh, Tom Brady. (laughs) So for, I'm going to give you more than one. If I had to give you just one, I'd say Malik Turner. Because like I said, there's been days out here where I was like, damn, Malik Turner looks really good. And I think he's going to play a lot. Uh, Other guys though, Sean McCune right now, probably battling for that third, fourth tight end spot. He was a guy who was undrafted rookie free agent last year out, out of Michigan and didn't get to play in the preseason games. He's flashed a few times during these practices, too, where you're kind of like, and and this is a game where you could see him playing a lot. And he's a guy that played a lot, of, mostly almost all the snaps were on special teams last year, but obviously they, they like enough about him. Keep an eye on him. Defensively, I would say Osa Digizua. Uh, he's, been, he's been pretty active. I think he plays a lot in this game, and frankly, someone's going to have to, they're going to have to, someone at defensive tackle, whether it's him uh, Bohanna, like there's going to be somebody that is going to probably come out of this game where you're like, hey, he looked pretty good there. Just because I feel like most of us are going to have at least one eye on defensive tackle just because it's it's probably the weakest position on the roster right now. Uh, so those would probably be, probably be my guys there. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else in the secondary. I always um, think of, when I think of the Hall of Fame game, I think of Devontae Holloman. Remember him, uh, oh, yeah. John? 
Yeah. That, that uh, like long interception or touchdown he had or something in that For game. Sure. And then he ended up retiring and he, he could have been a great player, um, but had, I think it was spinal injury or something like that. He had to retire neck or something like that. But uh, linebacker out of South Carolina that year and flashed in that game. And I every time I think of that game, I think of that play for some reason. I don't know. Nishan Wright will be one to keep an eye on too. Cause like I said, like he, he showed some stuff in, in OTAs, minicamp, rookie minicamp, things like that, that I was like, Oh, I can see why they were interested in him with his, not just the traits and his size and that he looked like kind of had a knack for the ball. We just haven't seen as much of that so far, but maybe that comes out in, in this game. And, and another guy that I just, I just see him playing a lot. And then obviously keep an eye on Kelvin Joseph. I mean, uh, he, he's been banged up a little bit in and out. Uh, but you know, if if Kelvin Joseph in the preseason has like a few interceptions or something, or you know, two interceptions or something like that, maybe that's what propels him into being in the starting lineup to start the season. So there, I'm just basically trying to say that yeah, Dak's not going to be out there. Uh, you know, the first team offense isn't going to be out there. But there's plenty of stuff that you can see in this game that will impact the regular season. Like any of those D tackles, like if they stand out, like there's plenty of opportunity for those guys to play meaningful roles during the regular season. Well, and also in a preseason game, a drop or a missed tackle right. is about 10 times more weight on it than it happening at practice. So, you know, he's talking about, oh, these guys having a great camp at wide receiver. Right. Well, Malik, Malik Turner drops a pass or whatever, and that's something that, you know, Cedric Wilson makes that catch or whatever. Or defensively, uh, just a blown assignment where there's just somebody running nah. free and you just see it on the replay. You're like, what was this guy doing? And, like, teammates are like, trying to point, like, you were supposed to be over here or whatever. Those things obviously carry a lot more weight. Uh, because, because again, you're not going to see as much of that on the sidelines of a training camp practice because the coaches aren't going to want to do that, especially with hard knocks, all the fans there, us clown reporters taking videos of everything. They're going to, they're going to adjust and, and, and address that in team meetings and things like that. Whereas on in a preseason game and you see that in the field, announcers are going to be talking about, everybody's going to see it. It's just going to stand out a lot more. Uh, anything else we need to get to? We're good. We got a first preseason game. We made it, boys. <laughs> yeah, and this is the we last episode without a hard knocks, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. we'll have hard knocks next next episode. We we will we'll, we'll we'll watch episode one and we'll we'll talk about that. So everyone, homework listener, uh, watch hard knocks next uh, Tuesday night, and we'll be back next Wednesday to uh, to break it down. Cool, cool. I'm you I'm looking one? way more forward to Hard Knocks than any of the preseason games. Oh, one more thing. Uh, one yeah. more thing. KT. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, regarding the Hall of Fame game, if you uh, you know take a shot every time they show Jerry Jones on TV or flash to him during the ceremony, will you die of alcohol poisoning or you have a nice buzz going on? Uh, Between Drew been- Pearson and Jimmy Johnson and everything, I you know let's. let's Let's project this out. Over or under. You're gonna to want to have someone watch the game with you to dial nine one one. You'll be too drunk. You'll be too drunk to dial nine one one when you're suffering from the alcohol poisoning. It'll and be, then you it'll happen realize, so fast and so abruptly. And then that you, you'll, you won't even be able to dial the. Phone. And then you realize that the ambulance ride to the hospital is too expensive, so I need to Uber to the emergency room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody drink Holland. responsibly when you're watching this game. Oh, by the way, I always have to give a reminder, especially when John John is involved here, on how much stock you put into preseason 
wins and losses because remember the 2008 Detroit Lions oh, went four and zero in the preseason and then went zero and sixteen. So hey, and, 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 and Saad, didn't one of those Patriots teams that won the Super Bowl go like zero and four? Yeah, it might even have been that year that they were undefeated up until the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think I, I think it was. I, I think it was. But yeah, just uh, the Detroit Lions are always the first team that come to mind because they went four and zero and then zero and sixteen. So hang a oh, yeah. Yeah, I think the 2014 Cowboys lost every game that preseason and the first game of the year. And then, um, you know, obviously. Oh, oh here, here's one other thing, thinking of you talking about 2014. You know, it's very rare that Jerry ever, you know, kind of tries to downplay something. Like, I remember there was that one uh, luncheon before the season where he was talking about how it would be like an <laughs> uphill battle. Oh, yeah. I did find it very interesting when Jerry was on the NFL Network the other day after one of the practices, and he talked about how he's like, Oh, we're we're just hoping we can hang hang with the Buccaneers, and it's gonna be like David versus Goliath and all that. And I was just kind of like, really, Jerry? Like, okay, if you say so. But said he needs just, Charles Haley to walk through that door, and and there's just been a lot of opportunity. There's been a lot of opportunities for him to say Super Bowl stuff and things like that since we've been out here, and he he's really been guarded against that. It's almost like he doesn't want to jinx anything, and he wants to be extra cautious, Jerry, because like I said, uphill battle. I want, I want to say that was. 2016 because you know Romo went down you know didn't really know what they were going to have start a rookie quarterback could have been 2014 though too but well he told the citizens of Oxnard this is our Super Bowl on opening uh, ceremony that that That, is correct training camp is their Super Bowl so so. he's trying to downplay stuff so I think he's trying to take a page out of his old book hoping he can uh, maybe uh, that's a great strategy yeah I like it I like it yes sir uh, and just a reminder that the sickest people on earth are the people that gamble on preseason games. Um, everyone be safe. We'll see you next Wednesday. Uh, or at least that's when we'll record the next episode. So everyone enjoy football because it's back. Have a great weekend. And um, make sure that you uh, follow all the work that Sod is doing. Uh, as Father John Mishota, boots on the ground. Kent Garrison, our producer. And, uh, and I'll be here. Uh, we'll see you next time on the next episode of Bathroom Cowboys. Peace. How about y'all fix this shit, Rich?